Well, good morning, Christ Walk Church. How's everybody doing today? You guys sounded awesome this morning. Thank you so much uh, for the way that you kind of lean into to worship today. And um, not that you don't do that regularly, but man, there was just something about today that y'all were singing loud. It was great. Um, if you got your Bible, you got a smart device, I want to encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, so that second book in, Matthew, Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call those the Gospels because Gospel means good news, and those four books in particular are good news because they tell the story of the life and the teachings of Jesus, and so we're going to land in part of that in just a moment, Mark chapter 10, uh, but today we are kicking, or not kicking off, we are continuing um, our series different. We are in part five where we've been taking a look at the core values of our church. And this particular series takes a cue from a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, which serves as our theme verse or, or passage for the series. Paul writes this, he says, for we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We've been talking about how these core values, it's not just something nice and, and clever to write down on a piece of paper, but these are the things that guide the way that we choose to live our lives. They're the things that separate us, that make us different from the rest of the world around us. Because the truth is, if we want to make a difference, that starts with us first being different. In part one, we talked about our core value. Jesus is our message and how that is foundational to the way that we choose to live our lives. And then the remaining seven core values spill over from that first one. In week two, Pastor Trevor talked about people are our mission. In part three, we talked about honor is our calling. Last week, I talked about authenticity being our lifestyle. And today, I'm going to talk about generosity is our identity. Generosity is our identity. When I was in seventh grade, um, my class took a field trip to Six Flags over Georgia in Atlanta. And I can remember being on the bus and being so excited because for the first time, I was going to get to ride a roller coaster that went upside down. I'd never had that experience before. And I was so looking forward to any roller coaster enthusiasts in the room. We've got a few, anybody that says, absolutely not. A few more of those in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love, I love roller coasters. The higher, the faster, the more upside down it goes, the more that typically that I want to jump on it. Um, and so that all started for me in seventh grade. And I can remember standing in the line with um, a friend. His name was Justin. And uh, he had ridden the roller coasters before. And so he's telling me all about it. And, and half of me is scared to death. And half of me is, is so excited. And all of me just felt like puking in that moment. And I, you know, there's just a lot going on in that seventh grade self. And, and we're, we're waiting to get on the ninja. 
was my very first experience. And so I remember getting on that roller coaster and I had a death grip on that harness that comes down over your shoulders because I had no idea what to expect. So seventh grade Blake rode roller coasters like this. You know how 42-year-old Blake rides roller coasters? Like this. Because I've learned that the experience is so much better, so much more thrilling when you let go and just trust in the mechanism, you trust in the ride to hold you in. It's the same way when we follow Jesus. The experience is so much better when you and I learn to let go and just trust in him to hold us, to keep us, to, to lead, guide, and direct us in the midst of the life that we live. Because the truth is this morning, you and I, it is impossible for us to be generous unless we are first going to let go. That's the only way that we can do it. And our passage for this morning, I think, beautifully illustrates that truth. And we're going to see here in this passage some of the same tensions that you and I deal with, particularly in this area of generosity, because it is our nature, it is our desire at every turn, at every cost to just keep a tight grip on things. So let's jump in together, Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad. For he had many possessions. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them, but Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 26, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Let me stop right there. I just feel the Holy Spirit speaking in this moment that there's somebody in this room that you're facing something, you're walking through something right now, and you've thought to yourself, there is no way that God can do anything about this. You need to know right now that there is nothing that is impossible for God. And it's, it's likely that you're facing that situation simply so that his glory can be revealed in and through your life. 
So don't take for granted this moment and the story that he is writing in you and how he wants to use your situation and your testimony to make a difference and build the faith in the life of somebody else because there is nothing that is impossible for him. Picking up in verse 28, then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Now, this particular passage, this story, is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what we uh, commonly refer to as the synoptic gospels. There are a lot of stories that appear in all three of those. There's a handful of stories that also appear in John, but John kind of marched to his own beat Um, And so he wrote things from a different perspective and included parts about Jesus' life that the other uh, other gospels may not have. But but from these three instances in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we've come to know this particular story or passage is, is widely known as the story of the rich young ruler. We learn here that he is rich. In Matthew, we learn that he is a young man. And um, Luke tells us that he was a ruler or a leader. And so we can identify with this guy because he is what we all want to be, rich, young, and in charge. And so we all have this, this like, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a common ground for us um, on the front end of this passage. And he comes in to Jesus and he asks a question. He's looking for something that you and I, not only is he who we want to be, but he's asking the question of what we all want to have. What can I do to get eternal life? See, he comes to Jesus, and, and like a lot of us, which is our natural tendency, he's focused on what he can get or what he can gain. And so Jesus, in all of his wisdom, responds to him, go and sell all of your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. Where this man was focused on what he could get or what he could gain, Jesus wanted, to fo- wanted him to focus on what he could give. So Jesus, in the midst of this, he tells this man, he, he brings up six of the Ten Commandments. And in verse 19, the, uh, the rich young ruler, he says, well, I have kept all of these commandments. Here we see it again, this, this juxtaposition between keeping and giving, the things that we are holding on to versus the things that we are letting go of. You fast forward to verse 28, and Peter, one of the disciples that witnessed all of this, he says, we've given up everything to follow you. And so you see this man who is wanting to be a follower of Jesus and then how he is compared or contrasted to those who are already following Jesus. And he's concerned with getting and keeping and they're concerned with giving up. And Jesus quotes the the last six commands or commandments, which all have to do with man's relationship to man. But what he leaves out are the first four commandments commandments. That's what's missing from this equation, which those four commandments deal with man's relationship to God. 
And Jesus knew that that's what was missing in this man's relationship. And so in this moment, this man was confronted with a choice between earthly possessions and heavenly treasure. He was, he was in, in the middle of, of choosing between earthly possessions, which are temporary and they are fading away, or heavenly treasure, which is everlasting. The Bible tells us in verse 22 that as this man heard what Jesus was telling him, that his face fell and he went away sad because he had many possessions. See, what had happened is this man had made money and the pursuit of the things that money could buy, he had made that his God. So instead of relying on Jesus, he was relying on self-confidence, security, stability, based on all of the things that he had accumulated. The fact that he was rich, that he was young, and that he was a ruler. Paul issues a warning to those of us who take on that attitude in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. He says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Here's this man kneeling at the foot of our Savior. But because of his love for his craving, for his desire for money and all of the things that it could buy, it caused him to wander away from what he had right there in front of him. Warren Wearsby says it this way, of all the people who ever came to the feet of Jesus, this man is the only one who went away worse than when he came. Think about that. Of all the people who ever came to the feet of Jesus, this man is the only one who went away worse than when he came. And it's simply because he refused to let go of what he had. So the big idea for this morning is simply this. If you're taking notes, maybe you want to write this down. It's that generosity is letting go of what God has given you so that you can receive what he has for you. Generosity is is, is letting go of what God has already given you so that you can receive what he still has for you. And there's a key word here when it comes to being generous. There's a word that you and I, we all need to get really comfortable with saying. It's a word you already know. It's very simple. It's the word yes. Yes. That's what it takes to be generous. Consider verse 29 and following. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. What Jesus is highlighting here is the the blessing for his disciples. It's the promise that is in store for those who will choose to say yes to Jesus, surrender themselves and all of their possessions, their entire life to his lordship and to follow after him. He says, I assure you that everyone who has given up 
will receive. Everyone who has given up will receive. Around here, we talk about generosity and being generous in four primary categories, our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony. I have one illustration of generosity, one. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me share it on multiple occasions. If you can think of a better one, please share it with me because like, I really need some new stuff. But here's my illustration about generosity. It is a principle that time and time again that I have seen hold true across the board. It never fails. That as long as we live with closed hands, whatever we're holding on to is all we'll ever have. But when we open our hands and we let go, that positions us to receive even more. See, we can't give this way. We can't give of our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony if all we ever do is hold on to it. But whenever we position ourselves to give and we open our hands to give, watch what that does. It also puts us in a position to receive. And the way that the kingdom works is that when we open our hands to be generous, we are given even more. And then we give, we are, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. As a part of the kingdom, we were never meant to live like this because God has so much more in store for us. If we'll just open our hands, he wants to give it to us. And what we'll find is that as we receive, then we give. And then we receive more so that we can give more. And we receive more so that we can give more. But as long as we live like this, this is all we'll ever have. As long as we live like this, we'll just have seeds in our hand. But when we let go of those seeds and put them in the ground, they develop trees which bear fruit, which have infinitely more seeds that when we put in the ground, they bear trees which have fruit, which have infinitely more seeds. And so not only are we provided for, but we leave a legacy for generations to come, all because we've chosen to let go of the things that God has placed in our hand to begin with so that we can receive even more of what what he has. It's the only illustration I've got. And Jesus says that that when when you live this way, that everyone who has given up will receive. He said, not only are you going to receive blessing, you're also going to receive persecution. Verse 30, he said, all of this, it comes along with persecution. And, and, And blessing comes with persecution every single time. Like, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. And whoever told you that was lying to you. And that's why many shy away from this kind of lifestyle and they choose to live in opposition to it. Here's what I've come to realize, having lived both ways in my life. Living a lifestyle of generosity may not always be easy, but it will always be worth it. It will always be worth it. And there's an ultimate promise for those that choose to live this way. For those that choose to let go of their life and surrender it to something greater, surrender it to Jesus Christ, is that in the world to come, Jesus says this himself in verse 30, in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. That's what it means to live for something more. We're not living for the things that we can just hold on to in this life that one day are going to perish and be gone. We are living for something more. And when we choose to do that, we will quickly come to realize that it's because of Jesus. The best is yet to come.
It's not just something we say. It's a biblical principle that we stand on. And so this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. I don't want you to just take my word for this. I I want to introduce you to someone, and and we're going to talk through someone that has lived this out himself. So as he comes to the stage, would you welcome Kingdom Builders partner, missionary, Mr. Gary Pate, as he comes to join us this morning. He flew in from Ecuador yesterday, and boy, are his arms tired. (laughs) Gary and his wife, Dina, um, have been serving for a number of years um, in Ecuador, their ministry for the the children of Ecuador. He's going to tell us a little bit about that, but he got into this simply because he said yes to Jesus one day. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about leaving the life that you guys had behind in order to chase after God's calling? Well, we, uh, we are by no means super Christians. We are just ordinary, simple people um, from a little two-red-light town in Callahan. And, uh, you know, basically we took our first short-term mission trip 35 years ago. God began to deal with our hearts. We began to pray. And uh, 21 years later, after that first missions trip, God gave us a piece about uh, leaving North America. At that time in our lives... Uh, we were uh, empty nesters. Our children were out of college. And just a shout out to my daughter, Heather, and her husband, and my three grandchildren are here this morning. So it's great to see them this morning as we are here. But, uh, but we left North America, and at that time we were empty nesters. And uh, this is not bragging on ourselves. It's just to give glory to the Lord. We had a six-digit income at that time. We didn't have any debt except the mortgage on our homes. And uh, it was just a place and time in our life where we were flying high financially, and, uh, and again, God just spoke to our hearts. And so just uh, through, through the help of the Holy Spirit and the Lord, we sold everything we owned, uh, quit our jobs, and within a year and a half raised enough money to go to language school. And in 2013, literally 10 years ago, moved to South America, Ecuador, um, after a year of language school. Uh, my wife is much smarter than I am. My English is bad. My Spanish is worse. That's what I tell people <laughs> all the time. Uh, but after a year of language school, to South America where we've been living and working for 10 years. And it's been super simple, right? You haven't had any kind of obstacles or hurdles to overcome, nothing like that in, in that time, right? Yeah, it's been very challenging. <laughs> uh, just the opposite. But it's just amazing to see, um, looking back, you know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, looking yeah. back and seeing what God has done, um, it's certainly Him and not us. And, uh, you know, we pray every morning, God, help us not to miss your will, get out of your will, or get in your way. And somewhere in there, there's a fine line of that. But, uh, but again, there's a joy in, in giving back to the Lord and doing our part. And so we're grateful for the opportunity that God is giving us yeah. to, to be a part of his kingdom. Well, I know that when you guys went there, you started out with what a lot of our people are probably familiar with that, that know you, doing the, the backyard Bible clubs in some of the remote villages in the mountains. But um, here over the past uh, year or two, that's kind of shifted. You're still doing that. But... God's opened up some new doors. Why don't you kind of give a brief overview of kind of how you got started with the Bible clubs and then what God has done here recently to kind of shift some of that and the new, the new opportunities he's providing. Yeah, I told Pastor this morning that he may have to just, uh, he wouldn't embarrass me, um, but grab me by the arm and stop me. There's so much to tell this morning um, and, and so much that God is doing. But uh, yeah, like Pastor said, um, to be honest with you, I never wanted to work with children. I have two children. 
six grandchildren. I love them very much. I love children very much. But I never saw us working with children, but that's kind of the avenue God took us down. And, uh, you know, we started up in the mountains of Ecuador um, where we established nine Bible clubs. And, uh, and a couple of years ago, we moved over to the coast of Ecuador, a whole different culture within its own country. But uh, over on the coast of Ecuador, we've established nine more Bible clubs. And I'm not into numbers. I believe Jesus died for one soul. But uh, just, just in the month of August, I was looking back just at some numbers that I had to look at for a different reason. And uh, in the month of August, we had over 3,700 children in those 18 Bible clubs, nine in the mountains, nine on the coast. And, Come uh, on! Yeah. And, That's awesome. And more exciting than that, Pastor, is the fact that over 60% of those children are memorizing a memory verse week in and week out. We do a Bible lesson with the children uh, week in and week out because the culture that Dina and I live in, the children know who Jesus is in their head but not in their heart. And so they're in a culture where they're not encouraged to read the Bible. They're not encouraged to pray to God. They're taught if they want forgiveness of their sins, they go to a guy in a box and ask him to forgive their sins. And we don't condemn that. What we do is teach the children they can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They can read the Bible themselves. They can talk to God themselves. It's not about religion. It's not about denomination. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's right. And that's what we teach the children. But in amongst all of those children coming, amongst all of those children memorizing a memory verse week in and week out, there are several hundred moms that come. And a lot of times, Pastor Man, we'll have a mom, a grown mom, that will come and say a children's memory verse to get a 50-cent toy from Oriental Trading Post. And so not only are the children hearing, but the moms are hearing. In addition to that, God a couple of years ago just put it on our heart to move to the coast of Ecuador. We, we are in a place where, I don't mean anything I say in a negative way, but it's a very much hippie environment. People are tattooed from toe to head. Um, some of them have live iguanas in their hair. Um, they just they come to this point of Ecuador to surf. It's the surf capital of Ecuador and a lot of transits, a lot of locals, just a lot of hippies. And again, I don't mean that in a bad way. But God put it on our heart to go over there and love on those people. No one else was doing that. In the process of that, um, God just spoke to my heart to sort of plant a church or start a Bible study. And the truth is, folks, I'm unequipped to do that, man. I never finished high school. I never went to college. I've never, I've never been to seminary. I've never been on staff at a church. And I was just like, God, I think you got the wrong guy. I'm 60 years old. I'm not a surfer. I'm not a hippie. I'm from Callahan. And I think you got the wrong guy. But uh, through that process, man, God is just, it, it's all God. I don't know what else to say, but we, we planted a church. And what we're doing is we have a Sunday night Bible study that will happen tonight. The great thing is we have five Ecuadorians that work with us full time. And when Dina and I are here, that work continues. It keeps going. It doesn't stop tonight. They're going to have a Sunday night Bible study. On Tuesday night, we started this evangelical outreach. We, we re rented a beer warehouse. And I'm telling you, it was a concrete block building, no lights, no bathrooms, no electrical. It didn't have anything. It was just an ugly building, but we rented that building. And on Tuesday nights, man, we started showing movies because there's no theater within an hour of us. And we started just going out in the communities and telling people, you can come on Tuesday night. We're going to have this, this movie night. We have a big screen like you guys, and it's very cinema-like. Again, there's no cinema within an hour of us. The truth is most of the people don't even know what a theater is where we are. Um, but, but we're having over, on Tuesday night, we're having over 250 people come every Tuesday night that are unchurched because the communities we're in, there are very few churches. 98% of the people are non-believers. But after we show the movie, we share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, we don't order it down. 
we, we explain to them that we are all sinners and that uh, none of us are righteous and the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we shall be saved. And Man, people are coming, and uh, it's just so interesting. We just started a youth club. We had our second meeting this past Wednesday and had 44 unchurched youth come. And uh, it's just amazing to see what God's doing. And, brother, if I can just tell a couple of quick testimonies. Absolutely. The guy that owns the beer warehouse, um, when I was looking for a building, I rode by this building all the time, and I'll try to make this brief. But uh, every time I rode by that building, I would say to myself, what's in that building? And then it was just an ugly, concrete, unpainted, unstucked block building. And uh, one day I rode by there. I was by myself. And I went inside because there was a truck outside. I introduced myself to this guy named Manuel. I come to find out this building is a beer warehouse. He's a beer distributor. He owns a liquor store in the local surf community. And I just told him that my wife and I are Christians. We're missionaries. We do these Bible clubs. We want to do one in this community. But God had put it on our heart to love on the people of Montanita. And you have to understand, if you Google Montanita, you'll see what I'm talking about. People go there for a couple of reasons. Smoke dope, have sex, and surf. That's why they go there. And, uh, but they're not offended by that. They, they, they're not ashamed of who they are. And I told this guy, man, well, I said, my wife, and I feel like God has put it on our heart to come and just love on these people. That's the way I put it. And uh, we ended up leasing this building for five years. We converted that thing. We renovated that thing. But God had put it in my heart just to share with Manuel one-on-one about a personal relationship with the Lord. And listen, friends, I'm telling you, man, when God puts it on my heart to be a witness or a light, I'm as scared as the next guy. I don't want to do it. But uh, he came by when we were finishing the construction of that building. And, uh, and I just felt like the Lord said, now's the time. And I said, hey, Manuel, do you mind if I talk to you a little bit? And he said, no. And I said, hey, listen, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. He knew you before you were born, and he cares about you. And I said, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray with you. And he says, no, I don't mind. I said, listen. I said, when I pray, if you feel like just praying to yourself, pray with me. And so I began, I said, hey, God, thank you for Manuel. Thank you for his family. Bless him. Bless his business. He owns a beer business in a liquor store. Bless him. <laughs> Bless his business. And uh, I said, Lord, we understand that we're all sinners and that we all need you. And I just went through that, that little sinner's prayer, if you will. And when I got done, I looked him in the eye and I said, Manuel, I said, did you pray with me as I prayed? And he looked at me and he said, yes. And I said, Manuel, did you understand what you prayed? Because I thought it was important that he understood what he prayed and not just murmured some words. And he began to cry a little bit. And he looked at me and he said, you know, Gary, he said, when I was building this building, the maestros, the carpenters, they would ask me every day, why are you building this big building? And he said, I would tell them all the time, one day this may be a discotheque. One day this may be a beer warehouse, but one day it may be a church. And years ago, to think that God was putting in this guy's mind that there may be a church in a former beer warehouse and that God is bringing over 250 people every Tuesday night to watch a movie and to hear the gospel. And out of that, some of those people have started coming to our Sunday night Bible study. So it's incredible to see what God's doing. And, you know, I asked him this, man, God put on my heart, brother, uh, just here a couple of months ago to maybe just send him a daily devotional. And I asked his permission, hey, man, well, do you mind if I send you a daily devotional? He said no. And so I've been sending that to him now for a little while. But he sent me this text that I just want to share with you. After the devotion I sent him a couple of days ago, this is what he wrote me, brother. He said, because the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. Have a great day. That's what I'm talking about. 
you know, and, and so, man, I tell you what, God's just taught Dina and I through this is um, in the environment that we're living in is to love people, not judge people. Just one more quick story. I went into a hole in the wall barbershop a year and a half or so ago, just broken up sidewalk, just a, a small, small, dumpy little place. And when I went in, the guy had on a black T-shirt and really big, bold, white letters that said, F the police. And my, my natural response would have been to say something to him, perhaps in the wrong way. But the Lord just kind of drew me back, brother, which is not me for those of you who know me. But, um, but God drew me back a little bit, and I began to pray, how can I reach this guy? And man, the Lord just gave me an idea, why not buy him a brand new Ecuador soccer jersey? They love soccer more than I love college football. And uh, I went and I bought him a jersey. He didn't know it, I only paid eight bucks for it. But uh, I carried that thing around in my vehicle for months, and just a few months ago, it had been a long time since I bought that shirt. I went to his barber shop, and uh, he had that shirt on again. And I thought, now's the right time to dress him. You see, he and his girlfriend, they bring their little boy to our Bible club every Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock. He comes to our Tuesday night evangelical outreach. Sometimes he wears that shirt. And we have a lot of teams that come down, and I'm thinking, man, some pastor, some Christian's going to say something to him about that shirt. But nobody ever did. And so I was in his barbershop here recently, and I said to him, Javier, I said, where did you get that shirt you got on? He said, well, a bunch of bikers gave it to me. I said, well, do you know the word on that shirt is very offensive? It's a very vulgar, it's a very bad word. And he hem-hauled around a little bit, yes, no, whatever. And I said, I'll tell you what, I've got a brand new yellow Ecuador soccer jersey I want to give you, but you've got to give me that shirt. So we walked across the street to my van, and normally there's no one sitting on the sidewalk out in front of his barber shop, but on this given day there was. And I walked across the street and I said, hey man, here's this jersey, man, and when I showed it to him, his eyes got really big. And I said, but you've got to give me your shirt. And he says, I'm not going to give you my shirt. He says, I only have two shirts to my name, and this is one of them. And man, the Lord just took me back. Because in my drawers in Ecuador, I've got a bunch of T-shirts. This guy's got two shirts to his name. And I said, well, I'm sorry, brother, but I'm not going to give you this shirt unless you give me that. He didn't take it. We walked back across the street. The people sitting on the sidewalk said, Javier, what's going on? Well, Gary wants to give me this Ecuador soccer jersey, but he wants my shirt. And they said, well, give it to him. So he literally on the sidewalk, he peels it off. He hands it to me, and I give him the soccer jersey. But through that process, man, the Lord just taught me, you know, love on people. Don't judge people. And you know the verse in the Bible, John 3, 17, that we've all read a hundred times after that verse. We all know John 3, 16. God says, I sent my son into the world to save it, not to judge it. Yep. And so I, God's just teaching me to love on people and not judge them by the way they look or what they wear or what color their hair is or whatever their situation is. Just love on them because probably no one else is loving on you. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome and incredible. I know he's got a ton more stories of things that he uh, would love to share with you about what God is doing in Ecuador. They've got a table um, out front and um, at the close of service uh, before you leave and get out of here, I would encourage you just to stop by and look at some of their literature, the, the um, backdrop that they have posted there, and you can find out more about their ministry, um, engage with, with Gary and Miss Dina, and um, they've got a number of different ways that they can encourage you and, and just build your faith by what God is doing in and through them, all because they said yes to what God was calling them to do. So for, for you and, and your experience, how long have you guys, you've been in Ecuador for how long now? We've been working there over 20 years. We've been living there full-time this November 10 years. 
So I, I think this goes without saying, and everybody knows probably what you're going to say, but what would you say to the person today that's sensing God calling them to take a major step of faith in some area? I would say this. Um, I would say God is not looking for our ability but our availability. That's right. Um, some of us may or may not be qualified. Um, I told you I never finished high school, never went to college, never been to seminary, and I, I would never dream that I'm doing what I'm doing today. Uh, but and sometimes I think, you know, just got to throw some mud on the wall and see if it sticks. In my personal life, God's never dropped a balloon out of the sky that said, do this or don't do that. Sometimes it just requires faith. And sometimes it requires just pushing a door and see if it opens or not. And, uh, and God knows our heart, right? God knows the intention of our heart. He's not going to let us mess up. He's not going to let us fail. Doesn't mean there won't be hard times. But, uh, but just trust God and, uh, and, and do whatever. If he's putting something on your heart in the community, in the church, or wherever it may be, look, God's not called everyone to sell everything, leave everything, and move to a foreign country. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying perhaps God is dealing with your heart about something that you don't feel like you have the talent or the ability to do, but he doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. Yep. He's not here in flesh and blood on this earth. He's here in our lives and walking with us and through us, but he needs our, he needs our feet. He needs our voices to carry out what he wants us to do. And so, you know, let me just say this too, man. We are so grateful. Uh, for the church and for those, you know, that, for the church and their support and for those that support us independently because, um, you know, again, we are a team and we couldn't do it without people helping us financially. I mean, uh, you know, we, we're in Ecuador, so we're not here earning income, making income to do what we do down there. But at the end of the day, we're a team together. And so, you know, some give, some go. and We should all be praying. But at the end of the day, I believe, brother, um, that we're going to see people in heaven because we've delivered the message. We can't save anybody. But what we are supposed to do is share a message. And that message is that Jesus loves people. He cares about them. Um, he, he has a purpose for their life. And no matter where they've done, what they've done, or where they've come from, there's a plan in place. That's awesome. Can we give Gary a hand? Thank you so much for being here. Again, he and Dina will be outside. And we'll be able to, uh, to talk with you. Um, after service, so definitely stop by and just introduce yourself to them. Celebrate what God is doing. I, I love just his testimony. I, I think if, if we could get Gary passionate, I think the Lord might really be able to use him. We just build up his passion just a little bit. Um, but he, he lives out the principles that we're talking about today. That generosity is letting go of what God has given you so that you can receive what he still has for you. And because they chose to say yes and let go of what they had here, God is using them to make a generational difference in the hearts and lives of people that you and I may never, ever come in contact with. And one of the ways that we can support that, and perhaps part of your next step, maybe some of you, this is what you need to say yes to, is partnering with us and becoming a kingdom builder when you give over and above your tithes and offerings to kingdom builders, you help us to support ministries like the Pates. Maybe one of your next steps is, is um, to, uh, to begin tithing um, and, and aligning your life with the biblical principle of the tithe, giving, uh, returning the, the first tenth of your income back to God. And if, if you've never done that before, you've never practiced that before, I want to help you do that. We do this thing here. It's called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. A number of, of you have participated in this. 
in the past. And so we, I just believe so strongly in the principles and the promises of God's word that I believe that if, if you'll tithe for uh, a period of 90 days, returning the first 10% of your income, if you haven't fully recognized the, the blessings of God in your life as a result of your faithful obedience to him, you can come to me at the end of those 90 days and say, I want my money back and we'll write you a check on the spot. And give you everything that you um, that you've given uh, in 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 return. So maybe that's something that you need to do. Maybe maybe your next step is to go through our discover track to discover um, how, your purpose and how that purpose aligns with the mission and vision of this house, so that you can jump on a team and and get involved in what God is doing here to use your gifts your skills, your abilities, and your passions to begin to make a difference in the lives of those around you. Or perhaps today, your next step is what Gary was talking about earlier, about that that guy Manuel is just to, to say yes to Jesus. And that's what you need to say yes to, to let go of your life and to open your heart to the one who died for you. If you're here with us this morning in the room, you're watching with us online and you'd like to do that, I wanna invite you to just pray this simple prayer with me. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen.